All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are getting into the nitty gritty of projecting the production for the Falcons playmakers in the passing game like Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, and Russell Gage. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years. You can find me on Twitter at FalcFans and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this Locked On Falcons podcast has been downloaded on all seven continents in the year of 2020. So it truly lives up to the status of world renowned. We got that one download from Antarctica, that one person who was looking for locked on fantasy football and accidentally downloaded locked on Falcons. Shout out to you, Mr. Scientist that screwed up your fantasy football league this past year. So guys, we will be getting into the projections building off of two episodes that we've already talked about player projections with Todd Gurley's rushing workload last Wednesday. Yesterday, we talked about Matt Ryan's passing production and based off of that, those numbers, we will sort of extrapolate what the numbers will be for the quote unquote big five in terms of the playmakers and the Falcons offense in the passing game, which of course include Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, and Todd Gurley on today's episode. And we will get into that sort of breaking down how many of Matt Ryan's pass attempts will these guys be targeted and then extrapolate from there how many catches, yards, and touchdowns they will have uh, later on in the episode. But before we get into the mathematical portion of the podcast, I do want to discuss sort of whether or not we have to be concerned about Marlon Davidson possibly missing the season opener based off of a headline from our good friend D Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta journal constitution on Tuesday, suggesting that Davidson is potentially out for that game. And so we'll jump into that on our lockdown Falcons lead story right now. D Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta journal constitution had an attention grabbing headline on Tuesday, which read Falcons rookie Davidson could miss the season opener indicating that the Falcons 2020 second round draft pick in Marlon Davidson could be in danger of missing the Falcons week one game with a strained knee that has caused him to miss practice since August 20th. But having listened to Dan Quinn's press conference on Tuesday, I'm not sure that's a fair conclusion to reach in hearing in both reading Quinn's quotes on Davidson and his status, along with several other injured Falcons like fellow pass rusher, Dante Fowler. It seems that Quinn's a little bit more optimistic that everybody is potentially on a timetable that will allow them to play in the season opener. When the Falcons host the Seattle Seahawks on September 13th, Quinn said, no one is out long-term and that they'll continue to manage injured players for the next few days to get them ready for week one. Quinn did mention that it might take Davidson a couple of weeks to get back into game shape and get his conditioning right due to the mispractice time since he suffered that knee injury. Of course, Quinn's words can't necessarily be taken at face value since coaches are known to stretch the truth. 
when it comes to reporting on player injuries and Quinn is definitely no different. He could be easily painting a portrait that indicates Davidson is on track to return to practice next week in order to get ready for that Seahawk game, but actually might still be limited when practices for that week one matchup kickoff next week, which would confirm D report. Quinn said that the team is excited to get Davidson back on the field and that will be coming quote unquote soon. Of course, soon is a very vague term. Is that next Wednesday when the Falcons are obligated to release their practice slash injury report for the first time? Or is that potentially a week later? After all, when Quinn said that no one is out long term, the phrase long term could be interpreted to mean any nebulous amount of time. Is that one week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks? Who knows? Davidson and Fowler are expected to be a big part of the Falcons revamped pass rush this upcoming season. The 2019 Falcons pass rush finished 29th in sacks last year and 30th in pressure rate, according to profootballreference.com. If Davidson misses the opener, then the Falcons are likely to lean on a combination of second year pass rusher John Kaminsky and veteran Alan Bailey to line up beside defensive tackle Grady Jarrett on passing downs. Quinn has talked up Kaminsky quite a bit so far this summer as a player that has made a significant jump from year one to year two. Should Davidson miss the opener, then Kaminsky will have to live up to the hype. If not, then the team will have to lean on Bailey, who's coming off a pretty lackluster 2019 season when it comes to his pass rushing abilities, despite being a pretty solid run defender for the Falcons last year. As a pass rusher last season, Bailey finished ranked 70th out of 87 interior defensive linemen that rushed the quarterback at least 200 times when measuring by pro football Focus's pass rush productivity metric. But all that to say, what is clear by Quinn's words is that the team is doing everything in their power to get players like Davidson as well as Fowler ready to play in week one, including keeping them sidelined for the near future. So, I'm not necessarily too worried about Davidson until at least we reach a point next Wednesday when there will be no more ambiguity about Davidson's status as well as other players. So guys, there's your Lockdown Falcons lead story, and we will continue today's Lockdown Falcons podcast by talking about how many targets, specifically the big five, Julio, Calvin, Todd, Hayden and Russ are going to get this upcoming season and we'll be crunching those numbers coming up on today's episode. But when we're talking about looking for the best parts to enhance your pass rush, you know that you got to go out there in free agency or use a second round pick on a player like a Marlon Davidson. But when you're looking for the best parts for your car or truck, you got to go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new floor mats. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique and easy to navigate as you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose by brand specification and the price that you prefer. And the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so let's do some projections for julio jones calvin Ridley, hayden hurst russell gage and todd Gurley in terms of their impact in the passing game now if you did not listen to yesterday's episode where we talked about matt ryan's projections we basically reached the conclusion that on the lower end of the scale, Matt Ryan would attempt roughly 544 passes this upcoming season. And at the high end of the scale, 593 passes this upcoming season. 
And of course that came with the caveat that the Falcons won't suck this year. Ryan's pass attempts could be way higher than that, but more than likely if they are significantly higher than that, that would likely indicate that the Falcons aren't very good this year. And everybody knows that here on the Locked On Falcons podcast, at least, which is widely known as the least negative Falcons podcast that was ever created. We don't even acknowledge the possibility uh, that the Falcons could be bad this year. So we're focusing on the big five and I'm sorry to Jaden Graham's mother. I'm sorry to Alameda Zacchaeus's uncle. I know both of you guys are big fans of this podcast, but we won't be talking about your beloved family members on today's episode. We're just going to focus on the five guys that if everything goes according to plan, will generate the bulk of the production and the stats this year in the passing game. So the big question is how much of the bulk of the production is what, what is that exact figure when we're talking about the bulk of production? You know, when we go back and look at the first seven games of 2019 and look at Ridley Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Austin Hooper, and Devontae Freeman, back when all those guys were healthy for the first seven games and playing well, reasonably well, um, they accounted for about 80.7% of all of Matt Ryan's pass attempts. Looking back at the 2012 season, when the Falcons had their big five healthy that year for the entire season, which of course then consisted of Roddy White, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez, Harry Douglas, and Jaquiz Rogers. Yes, Jaquiz Rogers, because as you guys may or may not recall, on third downs, Michael Turner came off the field and Jaquiz went in. Those guys accounted for about 83% of Matt Ryan's targets in that year. Douglas missed one game that year, and sort of if you extrapolate that for him to have a full 16 game schedule, that would boost it to about 84%. So basically it seems like if Julio Ridley, Hurst and Gage and Gurley are all healthy, we're talking about them generating somewhere between 80 to 85% of throws will go, will be targeted at those guys. So when you look at the low end projection of 400 554 pass attempts for Matt Ryan, that would mean those five guys would combine for roughly about 435 targets at 80% or 462 targets at 85% for the high end projection of 593 pass attempts for Matt Ryan. Those five guys would combine for 474 targets at 80% or 504 targets at 85%. Now, how do we distribute those targets? And that's tougher to project uh, because I think a lot of that depends on how good a duo Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley are this year. Last year, if you only look at the games where, both Julio and, and Ridley were healthy, which was only about 12 games. They accounted for a combined 38.6% of Matt Ryan's throws, or at least I should say Falcons quarterback throws. Cause that does include the Seahawks game. If we look back at 2012, Julio and Roddy accounted for about 44% of Ryan's targets that season. If we look around the NFL, 44% is a pretty high amount for your top two receivers. Uh, you know, only a handful of wide receiver duos reached or surpassed that figure this past season, Jarvis Landry, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland, as far as my research goes, led the NFL in that category with those two accounting for about 50.5% of Cleveland's pass attempts. Next was Will Fuller and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. At least when you look at the games where Fuller was healthy, which was only about seven games last year, they were about 49%. Cole Beasley, John Brown were 46%. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cortland Sutton were all around 45%. My numbers also say DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were in the top 10, 10th in the NFL with about 40.6%. So if we're going to assume Julio and Ridley are going to be a top 10 wide receiver duo this year, I think it's safe to assume that that 38% mark will jump to somewhere above 40% um, and potentially go as high as 44%. It could go higher than that. 
But, um, you know, let's set it at 44% because that's sort of our ceiling for what we've already seen out of a dirt cutter led offense going back to 2012. So if they're at 44%, that would leave just roughly about 36 to 41% of Matt Ryan's targets left for Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage, and Todd Gurley. So those guys would be averaging, you know, between the three of them about 12 to 13% each. We can tweak those numbers slightly. Ideally, I think you would say Hurst would get the majority of those targets since he's the guy that's most likely to gener- be generating big plays down the field among that trio. So I think the higher the share he has is presumably better. Uh, the number I sort of settled at for Hurst was about 15%. That would put him below Hooper's share of about 17.5% last year, but still probably in the top 10 among at least last year's tight ends. Puts him on par with what Tyler Higby did last year as the Rams' third option behind Cup and Woods, uh, the aforementioned duo that were among the top duos in the league. So my initial idea sort of for Hearst was, oh, it would be like 13 or 14%, which is part of the reason why, like, I wasn't necessarily buying into the Hayden Hearst hype to the degree that other people are. But, you know, for once um, or, you know, not for once, as we do often on this podcast, since we're the most positive podcast out there, we're going to set it at 15% which would mean that, you know, between Gage and Gurley, you're talking about 21 on the 80% scale or 26% of Matt Ryan Sargas on the 85% scale left over. So, you know, because we want to be as optimistic as we possibly can on this podcast, we're going to, we're going to go with 26% between those two guys. So we could easily just split the difference and say 13% for both Gage and Gurley and boom, you got your answer for the sake of comparison. However, Gurley only had about 8% of the Rams targets last year and Devante had about 12% with the Falcons last year. Gage's target share, at least when you look at the nine games that he played last year was 17%. And if you factor it, Now, granted, part of that is maybe due to the fact that, you know, guys were hurt like Hooper and Ridley were hurt. But then when you look at the at least the two games where all of those guys were healthy and playing, um, you know, Gage still saw about 16 percent of the targets, which is partially contributing to why, you know, I don't know if the Hearst type uh, is because, you know, if if Hearst is going to get his numbers, then probably we're going to see a dramatic drop off from Russell Gage. Um, But. Let's just set Russell Gage at his, say he gets the same amount of workload, 16%. Hurst still gets his 15%, which means Gurley only gets 10%. Um, So, you know, that 10% might be a little low, particularly if you're a person that's buying into the idea that the Falcons going to be more of a committee system and, you know, manage, quote unquote, manage Gurley's load this season. I'm not really buying into that. I think a lot of this load management stuff is basically to keep Gurley as healthy as he can be uh, going into the season so that the Falcons can quote unquote overwork him. I don't think they're going to overwork him. I'm just saying like, he's going to be the sort of the guy, the feature guy, you know, you don't go out there and get a a guy like Todd Gurley and then basically like, Oh yeah, no, we're, we're not going to play you. That was Gurley's big beef with the Rams is like, give me the ball more. And I, I don't see the Falcons making that same mistake unless they are forced to, uh, which I don't think right now we should believe that they will be. So, you know, I think, you know, if Gurley only gets 10%, that's not necessarily a bad thing of the, of the targets because presumably, you know, especially when you look at Cutter's usage of running backs, you know, he tends to only check the ball down to running backs. He's not really designing all these exotic things for running backs in his offense historically. So, Gurley getting, you know, the short end of the stick probably means less checkdowns, which means that Matt Ryan is pushing the ball down the field further, which means, you know, more big plays and potentially more points. So, you know, circling back to Julio and Ridley, now that we've kind of settled on what the other three guys would do, 
you know, we said 44% combined, but what is the split between those two guys? Well, that's interesting because Julio's essentially, at least from a target share standpoint, coming off like his worst NFL season where he only had about 25% of the Falcons targets last year. Um, most other years, Julio's usually above 27%. Um, you know, you know, in that 25% mark includes the big spike he had at the end of the season in the last three games where he had like 33% of the targets when Ridley was out. Ridley's overall was like 17%, uh, which puts him slightly above average among number two wide receivers across the league. But if you're buying into the Ridley breakout, some of the top end number twos like Landry, Christian Kirk, um, Cole Beasley, Godwin, Sterling Shepard, Michael Gallup, Jamison Crowder, Cup, Emmanuel Sanders, at least when he was in Denver, they were all breaking 20% of their team's targets last year. Marvin Jones was very close, you know, at like 19.6%. Will Fuller, DK Metcalf were both at 19% and higher as well. So, you know, I think if we're going to talk about Ridley being a, one of the better number twos in the league this season in his quote unquote breakout season, at a minimum, we should be expecting 19%. So that would then force Julio to sort of maintain his 25% from last year. Um, but if we're talking about Ridley having, you know, that 22% like Chris Godwin had last year, that would see a dramatic decline from Julio, at least certainly relative to the rest of his career. And so I feel like, you know, going any further than a 24-20 split between Julio and Ridley or a 25-19 split would be potentially feeding a narrative that Julio is on the decline. And I know, you know, suggesting that Julio is on the decline would be probably the worst thing that we could possibly talk about in this podcast, because if we say that Julio's on the decline based off of his workload, then what would Falcon fans be able to argue with random people on Twitter about when Julio's clearly the best wide receiver in the league and suggesting that anybody else is possibly better than Julio Jones is just, you know, blasphemy at this point. So clearly we cannot even begin to suggest a narrative. So we're going to settle at the 25 19 split because therefore Julio status as the top receiver in the NFL is safe, even though that status suggests at least last year, barely put him in the top 10 among wide receivers in terms of target share. But, um, you know, that is putting a cap potentially on Ridley's you know, sort of so-called breakout monster season. So to recap, before we sort of jump ahead and, and really get into the yards and catches and touchdowns of these guys, we're, we're going with Julio getting 25% of the targets, Ridley 19%. Gage 16, Hurst 15, and Gurley 10. Of course, you can play around with these numbers. But based off of our projections, that would give Julio roughly about 136 to 148 targets this year. Ridley about 103 to 113 targets. Gage 87 to 95 targets. Hurst 82 to 89 targets. And Gurley 54 to 59 targets. So we're going to continue to uh, talk about uh, these guys um, and, you know, project these out to catches yards and touchdowns this upcoming season. Now that we've gone through the math portion of our show. Um, but you know, speaking of targets, let's talk about draft targets. You guys should be checking out one of the two daily draft related podcasts right here on the lockdown podcast network, including the draft dudes podcast hosted by Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs or the locked on NFL draft podcast hosted by Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak. Find them both on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple podcasts and Spotify. So in the end, we are talking about the eye levels. I'm not going to take you through the math uh, as I just did talking about target share and all that sort of thing. So ultimately we'll just sort of skip to the end and, and get to the, the nitty gritty of how many targets catches yards and touchdowns I'm projecting based off of 
doing all the math and getting their eye levels, you know, halfway between their floors and the ceilings using the, the low end of the target uh, that I just quoted in the high end. Um, so for Julio Jones, his projection is 142 targets, 90 catches, 1375 yards and seven touchdowns. Calvin Ridley's getting 108 targets, 74 catches, 1043 yards and 10 touchdowns. Russell Gage has 91 targets, 60 catches, 606 yards and three touchdowns. Hayden Hurst has 85 targets, 66 catches, 765 yards and five touchdowns. And Todd Gurley has 56 targets, 39 catches and 265 yards uh, and two touchdowns. I use the targets to extrapolate those numbers, you know, using their catch rate, which is, you know, how many, what percentage of catches they have, you know, in terms of the passes targeted at them and to figure out those numbers for Jones and Ridley. I use their career averages. I use the 2019 catch rates of Hurst and Gage. And then I kind of split the difference with Gurley's career average catch rate in his catch rates last season, because last year it dropped off dramatically. And I just, you know, assumed that he'll be better than he was last year, but probably not as good as he was in his prime. So uh, for yards, I use Julio's career average in terms of yards per reception for Ridley. His career average was 13.3, but I wanted to, bump that up to 14 um, just because that's a better number and is indicative more of explosiveness Uh, with gauge. I took his 2019 yards per reception and then split the difference between that and what Sanu's yards per reception was across his three and a half years in Atlanta for Hearst. I took Cameron Brait's yards per reception of 11.6, which was the highest of any tight end coached by dirt cutter that has had 50 plus catches over the past 10 years. And also was close to Hearst's uh, career average, but because I think Baltimore's offense uses tight ends differently, despite what dirt cutter says, uh, you know, I don't see Hearst matching his career averages. And for Gurley's, I use what Devante's yards per reception was last year, um, which was better than what Gurley's was last year. So for touchdowns, I basically use their career touchdown rates for Jones, Ridley and Gurley. I use 2019 hoopers for Hearst and for gauge his career numbers suggested that he'd only have one touchdown based off of his targets. Um, so I just added like two more to basically assume that he was going to get, and, and take advantage of a few more opportunities in the red zone this year. So, you know, obviously those eye levels aren't necessarily set in stone. You can adjust them. You can, you know, add a couple of targets, add a couple of catches, add a couple of yards or, or subtract. So, you know, looking at these numbers in the end, you know, I think my expectations on Hayden Hurst probably were a little too low uh, throughout the summer and the spring, you know, because I've been saying, Several times on the podcast, I think, oh, he was going to put up numbers comparable to what uh, Austin Hooper did in 2017. But these numbers do look a little bit closer to Hooper's 2019 totals than I certainly expected going in when I began this exercise. So, you know, in the end, I I do kind of think I'm giving probably Gage a little bit too much of the workload. Um, And I do think it's coming a little bit at the expense of Ridley, who's not going to have this monster 1,280 plus catch season that I think, you know, a lot of us are hoping and and, and many people have been projecting for him. Um, And it it feels like, you know, my projections for Gage is potentially, you know, pulling away maybe a dozen or so targets for Ridley, which potentially could add another 100 plus yards to his total. So instead of, you know, having 74 catches, we're talking about 80 plus catches instead of, you know, a thousand, you know, barely cracking a thousand yards. We're talking about him, you know, barely cracking 1,100 yards and, and then potentially pushing that 1,200 yard uh, projection. I still think these projections uh, would still probably put Ridley somewhere in the top, like 12 ish fantasy wide receivers, but you're not getting that sort of second 
ranked guy that Chris Godwin was from a fantasy standpoint last season. So, um, you know, my hope is now that I've done the math is that we will see Julio and Ridley be more like OBJ and Landry and really kind of push that 50% target share thing. And, you know, no offense to the gauges and the Hearst and the girlies of the world, but I don't see those guys generating as many explosive plays as Julio and Ridley at least have the potential to do. So, you know, the more that the more times Julio and Ridley can see the ball, I think the better potentially, if obviously as long as dirt cutters, not dinking and dunking to those guys, cause that's wasting their talent, you know, use gauge, use girly, use Hearst for the dinking and dunking and let's see Julio and Ridley, you know, light up defenses down the field and, and, you know, put the fear of God in, into safeties. That's what I want to see. So I'm, um, you know, I'm hoping that Julio and, and Ridley can kind of exceed these projections that I have them for. Um, but we'll, we'll sort of have to see how that goes, but there you guys have it. You know, we're, we're looking at it. We're, we're looking at a thousand yard season for Ridley. We're probably not, you know, we could get an, a 14, another 1400 yard season for Julio, but based off of these projections, he might again, once again, feel finish shy of that. And, uh, you know, Hayden Hurst will be number three receiver in terms of catches and yards and touchdowns as well, based off of these projections. So, you know, he, maybe he'll have a better first season than I'm expecting him to have tomorrow. We should have a guest to talk more roster stuff, um, and see, get his thoughts on sort of the battles and who he is intrigued by, um, you know, going into the season as we get closer to the start of the regular season. As you guys, many of you guys are listening to this, we're only like eight days away from actually being able to watch a professional football game on television between the Chiefs and the Texans. And we'll get to see, uh, you know, whether or not Will Fuller can take over and be a number one receiver in this league. Uh, So, you know, I I guess that's relevant to what we talked about today. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, There you guys have it. You know, I'm done talking. We're rambling here at the end of the show. I never know how to close these things out on this world-renowned, most positive Locked on Falcons podcast. But uh, if you guys want to, you know, bask in the positivity, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Provide me with your feedback. You know, since you guys are always so negative in comparison to me, you can, you know, send me your negative thoughts on, on whatever or your positive thoughts if you want to be on my level as a podcaster. I, you know, I don't know why I'm so silly these last couple of episodes, guys, I'm, clearly I'm getting a little stir crazy, getting ready for the season to start. Like, come on, let's, let's, it's like the last two weeks before the draft where you're just like, come on, let's, let's get to the draft already. Like now we're in the last two weeks before the regular season. Come on, let's, let's, let's get this thing started. So, uh, apologize for my silliness, but, uh, there you guys have it until then. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the locked on podcast network, your team. Every day. Jesus. Jesus. Fenton. Jesus Christ. <laughs>